everyone. I'm Petra Duff. And I'm Sophie Price. And this is the Divest Podcast. Welcome to the podcast formed by the Divest Canada Coalition. On this podcast, we're going to talk about all things divestment. Sometimes we may have some speakers and sometimes it might just be me and Petra chatting. So just to start off with a land acknowledgement, we recognize that the climate justice movement is directly linked to other movements for change. Um, and we also recognize because it's really, really important that we organize on traditional indigenous territory uh, and we stand in solidarity with indigenous land defenders. Uh, we're committed to advancing racial justice, decolonization, social equity, and economic democracy as we strive for a just and sustainable future. Welcome to the first episode of this podcast. Just to give some brief introductions, I'm going to introduce Petra and then she's going to introduce me. So Petra Duff is a second year undergraduate mathematical physics student at the University of Waterloo. She's been involved with her school's divestment group, Fossil Free UW, for three years and currently sits on the university's advisory group on responsible investments. Sophie Price is a university student and a climate activist based in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, She's a second year student at Carleton University pursuing a degree in journalism with minors in environmental and indigenous studies. Uh, She's a coordinator of Climate Strike Canada at the National Network of Youth Climate Activists, as well as a social media lead. And in 2020, she founded the Divest Canada Coalition, aiming to get universities and colleges to divest from fossil fuels. And in November 2020, she participated in MOXIOP as a Canadian delegate and represented Canadian youth climate movement on an international level. So she's got a pretty impressive resume. I have never heard how long that is when someone reads it out. (laughs) Funny fact for the podcast as well, I did not write my own bio. Um, I had someone else write it because I refused to write my own bio because I felt too, um, I don't know, like big headed. I felt too like (laughs) cocky writing my own bio. So I made someone else do it for me. It's all about the class. It is class at that. It makes me sound much more professional than I feel. So just before we get into things here, we're going to take a quick second to describe kind of the way me and Petra are recording this podcast right now. Um, So obviously, because of COVID-19, we are both in our own homes and we are set up on Zoom. So I am sitting at my lovely desk. I have my Zoom camera open in front of me on my laptop and my monitor to my left with some notes. I have a lovely vanilla cashmere candle going in the corner. I have some nice potted plants that I'm enjoying. I'm using my, what am I using right now? I'm using my Yeti microphone and some Beats headphones. You know, the the good quality stuff. We're using good quality stuff in this household. I'm in my my childhood bedroom as I have moved home due to COVID-19. And yeah, I am I have a I have a real good vibe going here. I'm I'm feeling very relaxed. Hey Petra, uh how's how's your situation over there? Um, I'd say it's fairly similar. I also am equipped with uh, pretty high-tech equipment, like this pair of blue earbuds that I purchased from a <laughs> convenience store three years ago. I'm speaking into the microphone on the earbuds. And in order to create a, uh, a good soundscape with no background noise, I'm currently sitting with my duvet wrapped around me. <laughs> 
and my computer as I look at my notes and Sophie gets a great angle of underneath my chin. Let me tell you folks, I really wish this was like a YouTube thing right now because it is it is fantastic. So we're going to talk about what the Divest Canada Coalition is uh, for introductory episode. So this podcast, although it focuses on divestment, hopefully not just within Canada, but this uh, this podcast was founded by the Divest Canada Coalition which is a coalition of basically 30 different divestment groups um, that are situated at educational institutions across Canada. It basically, we're Canada's largest group of students calling for universities and colleges to divest from fossil fuels and invest in a just recovery. So a lot of you probably tuning into this podcast already know what divestment is because you clicked on a podcast about divestment. But if you don't, we're going to give you a quick rundown just in case you're new to this podcast. So to put it in simple terms, divestment is the opposite of investment. It's basically initially removing investments from a company, industry, or sector. So when we're talking about universities, divesting specifically from fossil fuels, they would sell their stocks, bonds, and other investments from the fossil fuel sector and avoid future investments into that industry. So if you're wondering whether it works, divestment campaigns historically have their roots uh, in the 70s and the 80s during the anti-South African apartheid movement, uh, which eventually resulted in the U.S. and other Western countries passing sanctions against South Africa. So it really does have that political kick. The fossil fuel divestment campaign started in 2012 on university campuses. Canada is actually lacking, I always like to add this fact, falling behind in terms of divestment um, in universities and colleges. We have how many schools now, Petra? Seven? Am I right saying seven? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like seven. Don't count. Don't hold me to that number. I made me wrong. We have something like seven schools divested, whereas the UK in particular has divested 50% of their educational institutions, which is just insane to me and awesome. Uh, I really wish we were on their level. Divestment is leading the transition away from fossil fuels and towards a just and sustainable, renewable economy. So here's here's the actual list of schools in Canada that have committed to full or partial divestment. So pardon me if I say any of these names wrong. Uh, Laval University, Concordia University, University of British Columbia, University of Guelph, University de Quebec à Montreal, and actually Lakehead University is also on that list. They are the most recent school in Canada. Outside of Canada, globally, we can say that over a thousand institutions, including the actual city of New York and the country of Ireland, have divested $14 trillion from fossil fuels. So while Canada may like to say that we're pretty far ahead on uh, environmental action, we're actually a little bit middle of the pack on this one. Middle of the pack. Man, have you seen some of the statistics? We are not the middle of the pack. We are, if anything, just slightly ahead of the US, which is sitting at the very bottom. Um, We are trailing. We are dragging our feet. We are definitely trailing. And I believe even the US actually just had a recent successful divestment campaign. New York State um, has just become the largest pension fund in the world to take comprehensive climate action, including fossil fuel divestment. So even the US is, if not keeping up with Canada, um, ahead of us in terms of divestment. So the biggest question that people always ask when we're saying we want universities or colleges to divest from fossil fuels is why should they? Like, how, how, will that, how will that do anything? So fossil fuel companies are the primary drivers of the climate crisis that has been known for many, many years. And they have been aware of their effect on the planet for over 50 years. So the other thing is, 
they're often in denial about about knowing the environmental effects of of the industry on the planet. But in reality, there has been many, many scientific studies and they are actually aware of their impact. They intentionally misled the public through misinformation and lobbying to kind of gain the power that they currently have over our country in particular. They have a super long history of racial and colonial violence, which obviously is also not a great contributor to the industry <laughs> we, so we obviously we don't want to keep our funds in the fossil fuel industry because the companies are real bad news but it's obviously not only that to avoid catastrophic climate change uh, we know that we have to keep at least 80 percent of the known fossil fuel reserves in the ground so we we have to dramatically reduce our extraction but Right now, if we go at the same rate that we're going, we're going to overshoot the recommendations given by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change by about 120%. And as you might expect, fossil fuel companies, their business model is based on the idea that they're going to extract all of the fossil fuels from the ground. And so they're continuing to push for expansion, continuing to push for new pipelines. Uh, We see that in the coastal gas pipeline, Keystone pipeline. Uh, new mines, new drilling projects. And so the the companies are not going to turn around and say, let's stop drilling for fossil fuels, let's stop burning them, because it's not profitable for them. So to do something, we have to start distancing ourselves from fossil fuels. Yeah, so divestment is mostly about the political message. Schools, specifically universities and colleges, don't actually invest enough into the fossil fuel industry to make a super dramatic impact to them by taking their money out. However, it does send a message to the industry that the future generations are not going to be as supportive as the past ones have been towards the fossil fuel industry. So divestment sends a much more powerful political message. And, and especially more than just low carbon responsible investing, um, because then you're still not taking all of your money out of the fossil fuel industry. It's just getting given to them in smaller amounts and in a different way. So it basically, it, it, it adds this kind of stigma to fossil fuels and propels the transition away from them because it's kind of showing that that university and college students and, and the future, the future of this country and obviously many other countries as well are not going to support the fossil fuel industry. And it kind of shows the mindset of of that generation as well. And going back to the the South African anti-apartheid movements, the, I mean, there, there's been studies done that said that South Africa's bottom line wasn't exactly hurt by the divestment movement, but they did push for actual public policy changes. So even though there's no actual financial impact, it did have a huge, huge political impact um, which led to the folly of apartheid. So divestment is not necessarily a solution that should be dismissed just because it doesn't have as much of a financial impact. Mm-hmm, for sure. And for a second there, I did mention um, low carbon or in responsible investing. And I just want to talk a little bit more about that as well, because that is one of the other alternatives that schools and institutions tend to seek out over divestment. So in, in contrast to the, the flawed low-carbon investing alternative and responsible investing strategies, divestment sends a more powerful political message that then gives that stigma to the fossil fuel industry. Low-carbon in- investing is kind of like 
I'm going to, I'm going to give a weird example here, but say you have a child, right. And the child threw a temper tantrum and you're going to try and like punish the child. So you can either send the child to the corner and be like, don't do that again. Or you get the the child, a lollipop, pat them on the head and be like, Oh, just don't do it again. You'll be fine. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of like the putting your foot down action. If that makes sense. Um, I don't know if that did that analogy work or not. Yeah, that works. Uh, And I think it works especially because a lot of fossil fuel execs uh, cry like babies when they're called out on their actions. So (laughs) they do, don't they? Can we can we just talk about Jason Kenny real quick and the uh, Keystone pipeline and the the fit he's been throwing over that? Because that gave me a good laugh. So that was kind of the summary of divestment. So right off the bat, you kind of know what we're going to be diving into here on this podcast. We will go into a little more detail about low carbon investing. We will have some guests on to speak about that, hopefully as well. We'll look into the effects of pipelines on the fossil fuel industry and the future of Canada and the sustainability as well. And yeah, so now that we kind of have the big fancy stuff out of the way, we're going to talk a little bit about the coalition who actually founded this. So the Divest Canada Coalition, which which me and Petra are both um, members of. So Petra, how did you get involved in the Divest Canada Coalition? Well, back in March, I got a call from, uh, from this really like weird person. Um, I don't know. She was just like, hey, come join this group of people that are all pushing for divestment across the country. And I was like, well, I have nothing better to do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so Sophie reached out to me because I've been part of Fossil for UW for a couple of years. And we actually did have a bit of a network between divestment groups uh, back when I started with Fossil for UW, but it wasn't really a, a concrete thing and it kind of died out. But through that and through the people involved, I was able to meet Sophie and the coalition has really grown uh, hugely from that first call. I think it was only a couple of people who were on it, but now it's, it's what, over 30 groups now? Mm-hmm. Over Something 30 like groups. that from over the entire country. Uh, and it's so cool that it's grown so much. But I don't know, Sophie, how did you get involved in this? <laughs> well, let me tell you. How did I get involved with the Divest Canada Coalition? Um, so that's actually interesting. So over the summer, my school, Carleton University, actually started their divestment campaign, which I was working on originally. And basically, we started reaching out to other schools who have divestment campaigns to just kind of see what their strategy was and what had worked for them and what hadn't. Um, and after a period of time, I was kind of like, why the heck are we calling all these people? Like, why is there not some place you can just all hop on a call and like chat about what's worked for us? Why am I, I was answering questions for other people. I'd get on a call with someone and they'd be like, oh, you've talked to like Queens? What's Queens been up to, you know? So eventually I was like, why don't we all team up together on this? So I started reaching out to every single group I could get a hold of and calling people like Petra, um, <laughs> throwing them all into a Slack channel. And yeah, eventually it turned into this, this coalition. It was a spur of the moment decision to do it. And then it wasn't originally what I, originally it wasn't supposed to be a coalition, right? Originally it was supposed to be like Mm -hmm. a singular action that we were going to do to promote divestment. And then it turned Mm -hmm. into a coalition. And, you know, here we are. I love the coalition right now. It's turned into like my little divestment family. It's a pretty tight knit group, I would say. It is a pretty tight knit group. Um, We have like usually one person from each 
from each larger group that comes to all our um, bigger calls. So we all get pretty close. Yeah. For sure. And it's really nice because there's a huge amount of resources for people just starting out. It's not just people who have been in the game for a couple of years. There's been a couple of people who are, are just starting the campaigns on their universities. So if your school doesn't have a divestment group or, or has one that's still in its little baby steps, we would love to have you and love to get in contact with you because we have a ton of resources. And okay, let's 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 talk about some uh, some recent um, recent events in in terms of the fossil fuel industry, shall we? You need to commit an entire episode to talking about pipelines because that's necessary. But I think that's a good idea. The most recent thing is the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline. Very exciting. We are very excited about that. We are a little annoyed that Trudeau decided to slack and um, good old President Biden had to come in with that one. But we are happy that it is canceled. We just hope it stays that way for many, 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 many years. Um, and it's very interesting coming at it from a divestment perspective. So I don't know what the situation is at other universities, but the University of Waterloo, which is my home school, is actually invested in the parent company that oversees the Keystone Pipeline, as well as the Coastal Gasoline Pipeline. And so now that the pipeline has been canceled for obvious environmental uh, land dispute reasons, the investments are now going to tank. And we're going to be left with some good old stranded assets. So coming at it from a financial perspective, I think this is a really clear example of why divestment is something that should have happened years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, we always say as well in lots of the things we do that divestment isn't just isn't just great for the environment, but it's it's great from a financial perspective as well, because we're getting into an era where fossil fuel investments are just not stable. If you invest money into the fossil fuel industry, you don't know if you're going to end up getting a getting a good amount of profit from that or not, just because of how unpredictable everything is. Yeah. And if you do studies, even over the last 10 years, um, there's been a couple that have been done that show the funds that do hold on to fossil fuel investments actually do lose money. Um, so there's been a couple of comparison studies where uh, they predict what the fund would have looked like if they had divested, what, 10, 15 years ago. And I think one of them looked at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they were a couple billion dollars worse off than they would have been uh, if they had divested. And that's that's just crazy to me because it's literally like everyone is just so used to investing in the fossil fuel industry that they continue to do it. And because of how powerful those companies are, it's just something that you do, even though it's not actually a smart financial move. It's hard to justify staying invested in those companies when you see things like that in, in the research and in the statistics. So the other pipeline news is obviously all the stuff happening around Line 3 in the States. Line 3 is a pipeline that is currently going through, well, it goes through lots of places, but where they're currently working on it, I think, is Minnesota. Um, so anyway, this pipeline, um, although it is being run through the States, it's actually proposed by Enbridge, which is a Canadian pipeline company, and is they are actually responsible for the largest inland oil spill in the U.S. to date, and yet they still managed to get the needed, what do you call them, like forums. What is this called? You would think. You would think. You would think. But what are those, can someone tell me what those are called? Not forums. Permits? 
Permits. Ah, there we go. Just lost the word. So anyway, this pipeline, it's actually an expansion. So it's supposed to be replacing an older pipeline. But I use the word replacing kind of in an iffy way because they're not actually taking the old pipeline out of the ground. So they're actually, they're calling it replacing the pipeline. And really, they're just going to leave the old pipeline in the ground and connect it up to this new one. So that's obviously kind of disgusting. And this new expansion is supposed to bring around like a million barrels of tar day from Alberta, Canada to um, Wisconsin. So, and it's going to pass through untouched wetlands and the treaty territory of the Anishinaabe people. So there's lots and lots of protests happening around that as well. I think there is some hopes that President Biden will also cancel that pipeline, but we're obviously not sure what's going to happen there. And And this is the whole thing is as long as we're still contributing and and relying on the fossil fuel industry to provide us with our energy and not moving away from it they're going to keep expanding i mean right they have to in order to keep making a profit they have to keep making more pipelines they have to keep extracting as much oil from the ground as possible um as many you know green initiatives they put into place which honestly is not a lot especially if you compare the money they spend on green initiatives to the money they spend on misinformation campaigns they can't possibly offset the damage that they do and so moving away and and moving towards other forms of energy is really the only option Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting as well, because I had a conversation with a group of a group of people from Divest Canada the other day as well. And we were talking about how the Keystone pipeline was canceled. And canceling the Keystone pipeline was a smart economic move as well, because there actually wouldn't be enough enough oil and enough things to move through the pipeline if they had built the Keystone Pipeline. There just wouldn't have been enough product, especially with Line 3 as well. So it actually would have been a useless investment and a useless damage being put on the environment when in reality it's it's even unnecessary. So yeah, it just kind of goes to show the power that's behind the fossil fuel industry and the grip it has on not only Canada, but the US and many other countries as well. I feel the need to tell you that uh, Petra's duvet has tents on it. They're they're beautiful. It's like this tents. little cute. It's like this little cute pattern of like little tents. It's adorable. It's very creative. I I hundred percent. That would be my situation as well if I wasn't required to have all this stuff for my freaking program. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not just spending money on yeah, all my I- equipment for this podcast. <laughs> as a physicist, I'm used to not having money um, ever for anything. So uh, <laughs> working, this is, working on a shoestring comes as second nature to me. Yeah, this is this is going to be our new form of revenue, uh, everyone. So, you know, if you could like like share and tell everyone to listen to this podcast, maybe maybe we'll be able to get Petra a, a, a mic for uh, next Christmas. <laughs> like, I'd really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Honestly, though, um, this podcast is is totally for fun. And we're just goofing around and hoping to share some fun stories and some some information on divestment. So welcome to the journey, everyone. All right. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, And we're super excited to get more into the world of divestment with you. You can find us at divestcanada.ca or at Divest Canada Coalition on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'll see you guys soon. This podcast was produced by the Divest Canada Coalition. Our theme song was written and performed by Jensen Lawrence.